penalty to Chelsea. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, I am absolutely delighted to welcome our guest on the show today. He made a total of 267 Chelsea appearances, scoring 14 goals. He was part of the Chelsea side that won the second division championship in 1984, and he was part of the team that won the full members cup in 1986. Here is none other than Nigel Spackman. Nigel, welcome to the show. How are you? Very well, Keith, thank you. Uh, very hot here in London, where I live, West London. Um, so, uh, but other than that, very well, thank you. Well, that's great. Let's start off um, the interview, Nigel, by talking about your early days, even before your time at Chelsea. What was that moment that made you fall in love with football? Oh, I can't, I can't remember just one moment. What, I had an older brother, two and a half years older than me, my brother Chris. Um, his mates, my mates who were sort of, you know, my my age and a year about, I was always playing football with older people going up in those days, as we call it, the wreck and having a kick around, you know, jumpers for goalposts, that sort of thing. And um, I just remember just being out playing football all day, playing football on the streets with my mates and kicking the curb and doing the toe in, uh, upsetting the neighbours by kicking the ball in their gardens and all that sort of thing, as we did back then. Um, but it was just, I just loved football. I just loved running around, loved being outside. And uh, obviously at that time, when I was growing up, there wasn't much on the telly those days. Um, there was no mobile phones. There was no iPads, uh, no computer games. So it was all entertain yourself and go out on your bikes, get a football and go and play. Who were your footballing idols growing up? Um, because I'm from Hampshire, um, I... You know, looked at uh, lots of teams, blah, blah, blah. But Southampton was the nearest um, professional club to me. So I can look back at and uh, go to the Dell, as it was then with my mates, um, and watch Mike Shannon and Ron Davis and Eric Martin and David Webb um, playing for Southampton uh, back, in, uh, back in the day. And if anybody had ever been to the Dell, being in the chocolate boxes behind the Milton Road end, uh, it was just for under-14s. I used to go in there with my mates and queue up and try and watch the likes of Chelsea and Man United and Liverpool. Um, so when I was very young, that's what I used to do. Now, we're, it's 40 years ago this year that you signed for Chelsea from Bournemouth. How did this move come about? Because it was the summer of 83 that John Neal was in charge and he brought in a number of players, you being included. What was the sort of the reasons behind moving to Chelsea from Bournemouth? Well, the big thing, which obviously most people know, but I'll just reinform people, is that I didn't do an apprenticeship in football. I I left school and went to sixth form college and did studied business studies, 
uh, and I did A-levels as well, which I dropped the A-levels. I wasn't intelligent enough for that. I stuck to the business studies. Um, and I used to play for my county, Hampshire, uh, Hampshire Youth, Hampshire Youth and Colleges and Hampshire Schoolboys. And um, I broke my collarbone um, back in 1976 when I was supposed to go to Southampton, um, which knocked that back. And then the following year, I was supposed to actually go to QPR, believe it or not, but I had got a knee injury. So that's why I went on and uh, studied because I thought football's not for me. My mum and dad said, right, you know, it's, it's not going to work out for you football wise. You need to get your head down and start studying. So that's what I did. But when I was at sixth form college, playing for my college against other colleges and playing for Hampshire against other colleges, uh, a scout from Bournemouth saw me and said, look, would you come for a trial? And I am denied about it because I thought, well, I think this passed me by now. I'm 18. I'd gone past that youth level, really. Um, but I got my dad, uh, God bless him, who died last year, 96 he was, um, uh, persuaded me to go and took me down to Bournemouth. And um, I had a trial and I played against, uh, you know, a few professional footballers who were at Bournemouth at the time with a load of kids and sort of people around my age. And I played against a, a guy called Phil Holder, who was an ex-Tottenham player, who all Tottenham fans would know. Little, really stocky midfield player, really tough. Played against him. Luckily, he didn't kick me too much. And um, after the game, uh, the then manager, Alex Stock, uh, who a lot of the older listeners would, um, would know, and Phil Holder came over to me and said, well done, son, you did really well. And I said, oh, thank you very much. And uh, then five minutes later, Alex Stock come back and said, I'd like you to sign for Bournemouth. And I went, well, Mr. Stock, I said, I'm doing my sixth form uh, education. And I said, and I'm too old for your youth team anyway. And he said, no, 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 not the youth team. I want you to come and play for the reserves with, in the summer, then training with the first team and seeing what you can do. So that was how I got to Bournemouth. So it's a, it's a long story, but that's what happened. And then that summer, when I went, David Webb came as, as first team coach, player, first team coach. So that's my first connection with Chelsea, really. Mm. Uh, Dave came in. He really did well. Brought in some younger players. Got rid of some of the older players. I think I played every game bar two that season. And um, ended up playing with the likes of Charlie George, Eddie Kelly, Steve Kemba, um, Alan Whittle. All these players that Dave knew throughout his career. And it was great for me. And then later on, when I was at Bournemouth, when Dave went, I actually played with the great, late George Best. Brilliant. So when it came down to your being at time at Bournemouth, when did the interest in Chelsea start? Well, I only knew really in those days, you know, as we've talked about, no mobile phones. Um, it was very hard to communicate with people. But uh, Dave Webb had got the sack at, um, at uh, Bournemouth and uh, Dave was still living on sand Sandbanks. And he knew where I lived. And one day he came around to see me and said, um, would you like to come to dinner? Uh, you and your girlfriend, would you like to come to dinner? So I said, oh, that'd be really nice, Dave. Come now. So my first trip to Sandbanks, beautiful house um, where Dave was living, had a nice dinner. I had a couple of other friends there. And um, he said to me, um, you're doing really well. I said, I think, yeah, but thanks to you, Dave. You gave me my chance, etc." And he said, um, Chelsea have been watching you. And I went, oh, really? He said, yeah, well, I'm a... Uh, a long-time friend of Ken Bates, blah, blah, blah. He said, so I'm just marking your card. He said, they're watching you. 
he said, but Everton are watching you as well. And I'm sure there's a few other clubs out there watching you. So just keep doing what you're doing and, you know, you'll you hopefully go up the leagues. I said, oh, thanks, Dave, you know, blah, blah, blah. Didn't think anything of it, just carried on playing. Luckily, he was in the team. Um, we'd got promotion from the old fourth division to the third division under Dave, and that's where I was playing my football. And um, Don Megson was the manager, uh, Gary Megson's dad, if people remember that. He'd come back from the States, was managing. And um, he didn't communicate that well, but um, I... Uh, what happened next was I just kept playing, playing, and then the the secretary we were away at the end of the season. They took us away to Portugal. End of the season, he said, "Oh, um, he said um, we've had a bid from Chelsea for you." And I went, "Oh, really?" He said, "Yeah, but I'm not going to let you go. You're still under contract." I went, "Oh, you really want to stop me from going to Chelsea? You know, doing better for myself." So we had this, and we're having a few drinks, a bit of banter, and etc. He said, "Right," except me and you outside. He said, we're going to have a race. He said, on these cobble streets, he said, uh, you know, 20 yards or whatever. If I win, you stay. If you win, you can go. So we're quite drunk. But uh, I could hold my beer then. And uh, the lads come outside, they're laughing and run off. And he just let me run. And it, that was it's just a bit of a, a wind up. And uh, so then the next thing is when we get back to Bournemouth and all this stuff, um, I spoke to Dave Webb again. And he said, yeah, they're in for you, blah, blah, blah. And then um, came through the club. You can go and talk to Chelsea. And um, that's what I did. And went up um, to Stamford Bridge, beautiful Ivy building as it was. I can't believe that they were allowed to knock that beautiful building down outside um, in in there. And, um, you know, met up with John, John Neil, uh, Ian McNeil. And uh, as I walked down, Pat Nevin was there, Pat had just signed. Uh, obviously, I didn't know who Pat was at the time. Uh, got to know him a bit more later. Uh, great lad, Pat. Um, but, um, and John Neal took me out for lunch. We talked about things and he told me the stories, how it came to seeing me play. And he said it was because Ken Bates had shares in Wigan, uh, Wigan Athletic. He'd gone there with Ian McNeil um, and Ken Bates to look at the Wigan players because Ken wanted to take some money out of Wigan. And um, Ken kept knocking him Given the elbow, have you seen any players yet? It's in the first half, and you know John Neal. If anybody knows Johnny's real dour, you know, just said no and um, carry on. And then Ken would go, "You seen anyone yet?" And Ken, would, um, Ian McNeil would say, "Yeah, there's a couple out there, you know, just one." Second half, watching the game, and uh, Ken goes to uh, John Neal said, "Seen anyone yet?" And he said, "Yeah, the number four. He went. Ah, you can't sign him. He's 31, blah, blah. He said, no, no, for, for Bournemouth, not for Wigan. So I was playing for Bournemouth against Wigan. And that was the start of it. And um, that's how they got in contact. John liked the way and Ian liked the way I played. Thought that was ideal for coming to Chelsea. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Fantastic. What a story that is. <laughs> that, that, that is one hell of a journey to get to Chelsea. Yeah. What was your early days like at Harlington? So once you've signed and you spoke to John Neal, you go to Harlington. What was your early days like with that? Uh, well, coming from Bournemouth, coming up to the big city of London, um, I, I first bought a house in Yateley, which is near Camberley. My, I'm from Hampshire, so I was right in the Hampshire, uh, sorry, border, um, and used to commute and, uh, come up there. David Speedy lived around there, so did Colin Lee. So eventually, when we, we got to know each other, we'd sort of share the, the, the driving, et cetera, coming up. 
Um, and they were great lads. We had a fantastic time. The training ground was, I don't think the players would enjoy going there today to train at Harlington, how it was for us. It was freezing cold. The showers just about worked. There were no baths. There was nowhere to eat. There was no gym. Um, it was the pitches were not the best, but we just got on with it because if you think about those signings that uh, John Neil, Ian McNeil made, Chelsea made, you know, all hungry young players, Pat coming from Clyde, uh, Joe coming from S Scotland as well, Kerry coming from like me, a third division side in Reading. Um, you'd have David Speed, who was there before us, who'd come from like to Darlington. So a lot of those lads were hungry young players who wanted to do well. So it didn't matter where we trained. We just wanted to play and do well and do well for ourselves, but do well for Chelsea. And you had the great pros there at the time. Um, you know, Colin Page and John Bumstead, fantastic guys, really top class lads. Um, love them to bits because they helped us so much to fit in at the club. It was a new era. Uh, Mickey Droy was still there. Mickey, you know, having his fag and all that stuff, but really nice guy. Um, Eddie Nisvesky, who came in as well, top guy as well. Eddie come from, from Wales, from Wrexham. So we were all hungry to do well. And um, it just clicked. And uh, going to Harlington, at times, it was a bit of a chore. It wasn't the best training ground. The pitches didn't even get watered. But we made the most of it. Um, John Hollinger obviously, had come in as player coach. John's coaching was really good, really lively, very competitive. And, um, you know, after that training there, and then the first game of the season, uh, obviously, against Derby, who were favourites to go up. Nobody knew about us a lot. we come from non-league uh, non and lower league football. And we just hit it off and... I was lucky to score on my debut, score the first yeah. goal. And um, then we win. Kerry scores a couple and we win that game. And we just kicked on from there. It was amazing. What were your memories of that particular game with it being your debut and you scored and Chelsea win the game 5-0? Did it sort of feel that something was happening in terms of this team, that things were starting to click early on? Um, you really don't know because... Pre-season, doing your stuff over in Aberystwyth, which is quite, quite tough. Um, but you get to know people because you're away and you're all together. Uh, the training was tough, running on the beach, running up and down the sand dunes. Uh, but it was a good mix of, you know, good pros. Um, and obviously us youngsters who come in. Um, Joey Jones, what a character, was great, Joey. Um, you know, and later on Mickey come in. But um, Paul Cannibal there, Paul... Um, Paul Cannibal, I should say, Clive Walker there, Peter Rhodes-Brown, Colin Lee, uh, you know, so it was a good mix, but you didn't know how it's going to all fit in and you didn't know how John was going to play the team. Uh, but it was just fortunate you get in the team, do well and try, and try and keep your place. And that's what it was about. But that game, I think the fans turned up in those, uh, the yellow shirts, the blue shirts, the new thing. And I think fans had watched us pre-season and thought, oh, there's something going on there. And they turned up. We had a big crowd against Derby. Derby brought a lot of supporters as well. And we absolutely thrashed them. And I just think the confidence just then oozed out of the players. And it was on to the next one. And um, I suppose it wasn't until, <coughs> excuse me, you you get sort of five, six games into the season that you think, hey, we've got a chance here. And um, there were some big teams in that, that league, if you remember. I mean, Newcastle were in there. Sheffield Wednesday were in there as well. Man City were in there. Um, Portsmouth were in there. It was it was a tough tough league to get out of, and we just took it game by game. And 
the publicity got more and more. Um, and it was just just so much enjoyment that, you know, you just went with it. Because it was from the early t- sort of time when you was at Chelsea that you formed a good partnership with John Bumstead. What was he like as a footballer for those that perhaps didn't see him play live? Well, I think if people who would have watched John and myself, uh, we had to work really hard in the middle of the park because Pat was lazy on the right. Canners or walks was lazy on the left. I'm only joking. But <laughs> at times we, we played 4-2-4. Um, you know, because the two would push on and leave me and Bunners. And um, John would like to get forward at the right time as well. But I think our understanding, our, uh, you know, one would go forward, one sit in a little bit, keep the ball, good engines, as people would say back in those days. But, uh, you know, he wasn't as tall as me. So I, I would, if the ball came in the middle, I'd go and attack the ball. Um, and he would sort of read, read off me. Um, John on the ball, we just always looking for each other and then trying to get it wide or into Speedo who would come deep or over the top for Kerry. So Vanus was a great player, really um, instrumental part of the team. He'd been there, obviously, at Chelsea before us, come through the, the ranks. And I think because if you, you know the history of Chelsea better than I, but Chelsea could have got relegated the season before and he was part of that team. And I think it was a breath of fresh air for the likes of him, Patesy, even Clive Walker, Peter Rhodes-Brown, Canners, those who were still there who were getting into the team, I think it was a complete change because you had hungry young players come in and the whole dynamics of the training and the playing changed. And Bunners and myself were probably instrumental in that in the middle of the park. And that team that you was involved in would end up winning the league in 84. We'd beat Leeds 5-0 and Stamford Bridge is rocking. And then, again, I've heard stories from people, especially at that, reunion earlier this year when Chelsea would go away to Grimsby, win 1-0. Most of the ground was filled up with Chelsea supporters. You were big involvement in that. How big of a moment was this for you to get promoted in your first season for Chelsea? Well, the thing was going to Grimsby last game of the season, we were already promoted. Mm -hmm. It was about finishing top, finishing above Sheffield Wednesday, who had been brilliant all season. We knew we had to win. And I think Grimsby had a amazing home record that season I think away from home they were terrible but I think at home they were very strong and uh, we went up there um, I think we had a double-decker coach I'd never seen a double-decker coach in my life and we went up to Grimsby um, so all the expectations were that we we're going to go and win and blah blah the supporters on the motorways etc it was, it was fantastic um, get to the ground it's just Chelsea Chelsea everywhere um, you know but the uh, the lads are trying to keep be excited, but not overexcited. You know, we want to win this game, lads. This is a tough game. Get your minds on it. Um, we we go out to kick kick off, and the Chelsea fans are being led around the side of the pitch because what happened? There were so many Chelsea fans. I, I think the ball went out. I went to get the ball, which I didn't normally do because I didn't take throw-ins. I used to stay in the centre circle out the way. No, I'm only joking. And I went and got the ball, and all the fans are going, "All right, Spackers, come on, we need to win today." And I'm thinking, "Where are they going?" They said. Oh, they're kicking the Grimsby uh, supporters out from behind the goal. There's not enough room for us. And they've moved in the Grimsby supporters out and putting all the Chelsea fans in there as the game was going on. You couldn't write it, honestly. It was fantastic. And we win the game. Um, then afterwards, it was just amazing. The fans on the pitch, everything. You've seen all the pictures. But for us, um, you know, all being thrown together um, with John Neil Ian McNeil, John Hollins, 
Um, you know, it was just an amazing time. And to finish top of the league and know that you're going to be playing in, in the first division, where we all dreamed of as kids playing, um, we were going to do that. And um, afterwards, it was a relief. Everybody was exhausted, but then the champagne came out and then we were we were on it. And uh, Ken Bates coming in the dressing room. Uh, I remember him giving a wad of money to John Hollins. Uh, I said, "What's going? What about the rest of us?" He said, "No, that's for all. You're going to stop in the off licenses and back at the hotel, have a few drinks, all on me, as it should have been as well." Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just fantastic times looking back, and those pictures in that little dressing room in Grimsby, um, you know, with the the smiles on our faces, you, you just can't forget those days. Brilliant, great. The next season, Chelsea back in the first division. What was your personal ambitions for that season with you being in the first division you've come from the old fourth division mm. what were your sort of ambitions going into the new season well I think it was to basically first of all make sure you get in the team for the first game of the season and then when the draw comes up that you've got Arsenal away at Highbury first game of the season you hey, hey I want to be there I want to play um, and you want you want to pit yourself against the best players because everybody's dream, as I said, as a kid growing up, they want to play at Wembley in a cup final and you and you want to play in the first division as it was then, our Premier League as it is now, and play against the best players in the country, some of the best players in the world. And that's what you wanted to do, but you wanted to get in the team and you didn't know if Chelsea were going to sign players, how it was going to go, etc, etc. I don't think we really had the budget to go out and sign any uh, superstars or you know, give them ten-year contracts at those time, but that's a bit. <laughs> that's one for later. But oh, we'll I, talk about that later. Don't worry about that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But but it's um, it was just wanting to get in the team, wanting to play against the best players, and um, I have to say we stayed overnight because the game was an eleven thirty kickoff. Because obviously at that time the reputation of Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans, football in general was like they liked a good old scrap, and. Um, you know, a few of my Chelsea mates who I still have coffee with. I'm actually meeting one today, you know, tell me all the great stories about when that was going on. But anyway, I digress. Um, come back to the game. Was, we were in the hotel overnight. It was very exciting. You're going to play, um, you know, the next day. Um, I can't remember if John had told us what the team was going to be or not. Um, I can't remember that. But, you know, get up and have an early breakfast or an early pre-match and then off on the coach to, to Highbury. And uh, I have to say, I don't think I'd ever been to Highbury before. No, I hadn't been to Highbury at that stage. I hadn't been at Highbury because uh, Arsenal are rubbish anyway. Anyway, um, so, but we came up the top of the road, turned the corner, and there was all supporters all the way down, all the way down to the, the main. And it was all Chelsea supporters. They were queued from the top of the road all the way down, all the way to the main entrance at Arsenal. And we came on the coach here, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, boys, We've made it. Look at this. Unbelievable. All these Chelsea supporters there. Couldn't see any Arsenal supporters. But then you get off the coach, see the supporters, acknowledge them, uh, you know, do a couple of autographs into the beautiful entrance at, um, at Highbury, all the marble and all that stuff in there, into the dressing rooms. And then you see the kit laid out and everything. Right, OK. Let's go out and have a look at the pitch. And then it's a beautiful, hot day, um, as it normally is for the opening day of the season. Out down the tunnel, out onto the pitch, and you go, wow, this is, this is, this is, um, this is what 
we dreamed of. This is what you want to do. You want to get out there. This pitch is perfect, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, we drew the game 1-1. Maybe could have nicked it. Maybe could have won it. Um, but, you know, you're playing against Viv Anderson. You're playing against Kenny Sampson. You know, England international, Paul Mariner, Tony Woodcock, Brian Tolbert, uh, a young Stuart Robson who I, I smacked in the nose. Um, but um, he tells me that anyway. I didn't know I did. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, it was just an amazing experience to go out there, play against these fantastic players at a massive stadium, fantastic away support as Chelsea normally had. And uh, we did ourselves justice. We played really well. And as I said, you know, against one of the best teams in the country, maybe uh, maybe could have won it that day. And one significant moment from that was when Dixon scored and the, that whole end, because Chelsea took over that clock yeah. end behind the goal. It just erupted and just pandemonium just struck and that (laughs) obviously if you look back on it that did set up well for you guys that season because you ended up having a good cup run as well that season and you did end up finishing quite high up for a promoted side to do that even in them days was quite rare yeah well I think we we had a good team we knew we had a good team we were used to winning because we've been we've won the old second division as it was we came up with basically the same team um, you know, but the same attitude, go out and play and you've got people who score goals in Kerry, you've got people good in the air and, you know, dynamic like Speedo, you've got Pat on the right who can dribble and give you a breather at times, you've got Canners who's got the pace down the left and me and Bunners in the middle and, you know, behind us, you know, Eddie, who was a top class goalkeeper, Eddie, you know, terrible with his knees that had cut his, his career short. Um, Patey, left footed, who could come out and play, Joe who could head it, kick it, um, Johnny Hollins or, or Colin Lee at right back and I think then Darren Wood after that uh, Joey Jones and then um, Doug Ruby at left back Chris Hutchins before so we we all knew our jobs within that group and I think we were confident in our own ability but in our teammates when you looked around the dressing room you think we've got quality here mm. you're talking about us finishing I think we finished sixth but at that time I have to say if Ken Bates had a bit more money um, or the club had some investors, we could have finished in the top three. I really do believe that. We fell away at the end of the season where we didn't have a big enough squad. Uh, injuries to uh, important players. Um, I think Kerry got injured. I think Speedo probably got suspended for about 10 weeks. No, I think he got injured as well. So, um, so it, there was circumstances where you think you look back and you go, oh, if we just could have signed maybe one, two players or alone, we might have really finished in that top three. We had a great chance at one stage and we just fell away towards the end. And it was the end of that sort of season, news sort of broke that John Neal was going to be replaced by John Hollins as the first team coach. What were your thoughts on the time of this change? This is this is an interesting one for me because Obviously, back back in the day, it was just reading newspapers, reading teletext or CFAX or whatever it was, people talking to you about things. So, John John Neil, uh, God bless him, uh, and Ian McNeil um, found most of us, um, developed us in their own way. It wasn't a coach, but man management was good. Uh, but his health wasn't great, as everybody knows. Had a triple bypass when he spoke and said. I, I didn't, I don't know if any of the other lads knew that John was going to step down or was pressured to stop it. I don't, I don't know the circumstances, but 
Um, you know, papers are saying John Holland's are going to take over, blah, blah, blah. Some were saying, well, he's been put, John Neal has been pushed out. I really don't know the stories. Um, but you just get on with it. You play it. And John, I like John. John Hollins was a really nice guy. I think he was a really good coach. Learned a lot um, from his days at Chelsea, at Arsenal, obviously under Don Howe. Um, and he had some really good training sessions. But most of all, John was enthusiastic, really bubbly. And at his age, to still be playing uh, and playing well um, was you know, testament to keeping himself fit and what a good guy he was. But you never know what's going to happen when a coach takes over as manager. And uh, that was the big question mark for all of us, is how is it going to go and what's going to happen? And um, I think John, for me, uh, God bless him, um, I think he thought, because he was such a nice guy, uh, um, that he needed to bring somebody in beside him who was a bit tough, a bit Sergeant Majorish. And I thought that was the biggest mistake that John made, was bringing in Ernie Wally, who was the complete opposite to him. It's chalk and cheese. Ernie was very aggressive, wanted to fight everybody. It was Sergeant Majorish. And that's not what us lads had. We had John, who was really jolly. His training was good, interesting. You could chat to him. Ernie was completely, in my view, the opposite. And um, I wasn't the only one um, who fell out with Ernie. I think most people did. And uh, I think that began to um, knock away at the foundations of what we had at the club and what we had as a team. And... Uh, I don't know if John ever looked back and said, you know, um, maybe I made the wrong appointment uh, in Ernie. And I think Ken Bates said to him many a time, look, just just sack him. But John was so loyal that he stuck with him. And I think in the long term, that cost John his his job. But also maybe what he had and what he could have built at Chelsea at the time. Because he had a good squad of players. He was trying to bring in the likes of Mickey Hazard, who's a great guy, Mickey. Different type of player. Um, John had his own vision. But the thing is, he's bringing in new players like Mickey, who didn't get on with Ernie Wally. <laughs> it was worse with Ernie Wally than I was. So it was just personalities sometimes which uh, cause a problem. Um, and in the end, you just go out and you try and play as well as you can. But if you're not enjoying training and there's always an atmosphere, it's, it's, it, it stemmed from pre-season, um, you know, where we changed going from Aberystwyth, we went to Ang Anglesey, um, it's different things. And things just didn't bode well for the for, for the immediate future and I think that showed uh, in the team and you had strong personalities in the dressing room in our dressing room because we'd done well we'd come together and everybody wanted to do well and that's all we wanted but I think um, just one mistake and it can make things turn the other way and I think that was the mistake it wasn't the mistake of giving John Collins the job I thought John was great he talked to you still but he got too much influence from his coach and for me, it, it started to uh, fall away because I got left out of the team, um, and and people know that. So it was it was it was a difficult time for me, but it was a difficult time for a lot of the players um, because we just wanted to be successful. Did you have a conversation about John Hollins? Because I was going to sort of bring that up because it was a game against Charlton where we lost one nil, and I believe it was John that dropped you. I think he dropped a, a few others as well because of it and he was left out for quite a long time did you have any conversations with John Hollings during that period to find out you know, if you can get a resolution sorted out of this or something else no, no John just left you out and said go and train with the reserves and that's what it was like 
in those days. And uh, I'd go off and train with the reserves. So I'd be down in one corner at Tarlington and the first team would be up right at the top. And, um, you know, for me, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I think uh, I was left out and Chelsea lost all the games. Um, I think a couple of times uh, I maybe I maybe was sub. Um, you know, the fans stuck with me. I can remember warming up and, you know, you know, Backers, you know, singing the song, doing and 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 get him on and all that stuff. And I think what happened was also the the how do you say it? The the team lost its sort of way. You know, everybody knew their jobs within the group, and that's why you get success. And then things start to change. People can't do the same sort of job, so you know things start to change within the group. Uh, but you still got to get results, and it wasn't getting results for John. But he didn't really speak to me. Um, you know, when when you when a coach sends you off in training, um, I just said, look, if you're going to send me off, I'm just going to go in. Um, you know, and that's what Ernie did. We're playing a six aside that he, he made a couple of dodgy decisions. One, he said, Ernie, referee it properly. And he said, if you don't like me refereeing, he said, you can get off. So I carry on. And then he sent me off. So I said, sent me off. I'm going to go in. So we luckily we're training at the bridge. So I just went in the gym. So, um, you know, when... Um, Went in the gym, started doing my stuff, and then the lads finished training, come in, they were all laughing, having a having a joke. And then uh, Ernie Wally says, uh, I want to see you in the manager's office. I said, OK. I said, when I finish doing my weights, I'll come and see you. So I go in the office, John Hollins and Ernie Wally. And uh, John said, I'm really disappointed in you, Nigel. And I went, OK, you're really disappointed in me. What for? He said, well, you get sent off in training, you go in. I said, well, what's the point of sending someone off in training? It's pathetic, isn't it? And I said, look, John, before you go in there or anything, I said, the best thing that can happen is, Ernie Wally, you come and punch me, right? Right? I'll go to the chairman. I said, tell him that you've assaulted me, you punched me, you'll get the sack, and then we'll all be happy. So you come and punch me. They didn't know what to do, so I just walked out. And that, that was the relationship, unfortunately, that started because um, Ernie just was not respectful for anybody, wanted to fight people, um, you know, and, and John had to try and deal with that. And um, it became very difficult for John. But eventually I got back in the team, did my best I could in the team. Results picked up. And um, then what happened for me was I'd been at a PFA meeting in in Manchester. We played, I don't know where we played. We played up north and I stayed, stayed up, I think. No, I, yeah, I drove up. So I think we played at Manchester City or something. And I asked John if I could drive up because... I had a PFA meeting, blah, 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 blah. So drove up, uh, had the meeting, came back late uh, home. Then uh, Monday morning training. So I was in on good time because I got back late and I woke up early. So in uh, and uh, John called me into his office, which anybody been to Harlington, it was like a little, a little office changing room with a, a phone uh, on the wall and, and a table. And uh, he, he just called me and he said, how was your weekend? I said, yeah, not bad. I said, PFA meeting, you know, you used to do those, John, blah, blah, blah. I'm a bit tired, but yeah, okay for training, no problem, blah, blah. He said, okay. He said, um, just to let you know, I've had an offer from Liverpool for you and uh, the club's accepted it and uh, you're free to go and talk to them and you're free to go uh, up today. I said, what today? I said, I've just come back from Manchester. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you could have rung me and told me. And he said, oh. Well, that's the way it goes, isn't it? And I went, okay. I said, so you, you're happy for me to leave, are you? You're happy for me to go? And he went, yeah. So that was um, that was that was it, really. And uh, as you say in football, the rest is history. 
I was going to say, before we talk about your departure in more detail, you did end up winning a trophy at Wembley, albeit the full members' cup. Mm-hmm. We would beat Manchester City 5-4. Certainly wasn't a dull game when it came to goals. <laughs> nope. um, what are your memories on of that occasion? You know, again, albeit ah. it wasn't you know, like the FA Cup or the League Cup, but it was a final at Wembley and... Chelsea ended up lifting the trophy. Yeah, but you people young in memory um, will look and say it isn't the Chelsea and Man City you see of today. <clears throat> these two, these two big clubs who have been starved of success really for many, many years, except for us getting promoted back into the old first division, um, really hadn't won anything between them for so long. And uh, you know the loyal fans deserve something. And Ken Bates. Um, God bless. I oh, know he's still with us, isn't he, Ken? Um, <laughs> um, you know, devised this full members' cup, which some clubs decided to join and some didn't. But the the icing on the cake for us was you get a chance to play at Wembley. And as I said way back in our, our podcast, is that um, every kid's dream is to play at Wembley in a cup final, in the FA Cup final, or play uh, for their country, or play in the highest division they possibly can. And um, to play at Wembley, that's what we wanted to do. But the big stumbling block was we had to play the day before. So we we played at Southampton on the Saturday. Uh, I think we won at Southampton on the Saturday. But unfortunately, Kerry Dixon got injured. Somebody else got injured. I think there was a couple of players got injured. And um, I think Eddie Nizveski. Did Eddie, Eddie play? I can't remember now. Um, but we, we then the next day were playing at Wembley against Man City. So they would never allow it today. Two no, games in two days, not, no. you know. Um, but um, we played. Man City actually played Man United the day before. So they had the Manchester derby and come into Wembley. And um, the old Wembley, always when you get these, think this is a massive pitch. But it's, it is a big pitch, but it's not as massive as people think. It's just that the stands were so far away from the pitch. Now. But when you get out there and you played the, the day before at Southampton or at the, uh, Main Road, it's a big pitch. It was, a, it was quite a warm day as well, but the support was incredible from both sets of supporters, but especially the Chelsea fans being at Wendy just down the road. Uh, it, the turnout was was amazing. And um, I think David Speedy scored a hat-trick. I think Colin Lee scored two. I gave a penalty away right at the end, which was never a penalty ref. Um, but uh, um, that was just, it was just fantastic to be at Wembley, play at Wembley, play in front. I think it was probably about 60,000 there, 55,000. It was it was not empty, I have to tell you. And to be in those dressing rooms, the, the coach drive all the way up to, uh, you know, the, the gates and in behind, it was, it was just amazing for all of us on top of what we'd achieved previously. Hey guys, this is Keith Lawrence, the creator of the Blue Day podcast here, and this is a special message to tell you of one of our new sponsors for the podcast. We'd like to welcome Fanatics, the leading sports manufacturer of online licensed sportswear and merchandise. They range from football, soccer, Formula One, NBA, and so much more. Now, this is the best part. If you want to get your hands on some swag, Go to the Blue Day Podcast Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast and on our Twitter page at the Blue Day Pod for all the necessary links. 
Come on, what are you waiting for? Carefree.